0: We're in the book of Hosea. I'm going to read the first uh, nine uh, verses just straight through. We'll go back through them and actually uh, talk about them. Uh, as I mentioned the last time we we met, we're going to be uh, switching translations for the minor prophets and, and for Hosea to Malachi. The next twelve books, the 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 last you know big section of the Old Testament here. We're going to be reading it in the, the LSB or the Legacy Standard Bible, which is an updated version of the New American Standard. And, and the reason why is, for one thing, it's a word-for-word translation, which the minor prophets demand a word-for-word translation. Uh, also, it, it, it's very consistent in terms of how it, it translates the name of God, Yahweh, and in the Minor Prophets, the name of God is extremely important. Not, you know It's important throughout the whole Bible, but especially in the Minor Prophets, because the Minor Prophets emphasize uh, the name of God. God is the one that's speaking to the Israelites. God is the one that is speaking to the people of Judah. God is one that's speaking to the Edomites or, or the various people that he's speaking to. And so we're going to see that as we walk through this. And so the words are going to be up on your your screen. You'll be able to follow along. It says there in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the book of Hosea, the word of Yahweh, which came to Hosea, the son of Berai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and
1: Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. When Yahweh
0: first spoke through Hosea, Yahweh said to Hosea, Go, take for yourself a wife of harlotry and have children of harlotry, for the land commits flagrant harlotry, forsaking Yahweh. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she conceived
1: and gave birth to a son for him. Yahweh said to him, Name him Jezreel.
0: For yet a little while I will visit the bloodshed of Jezreel upon the house of Yehu, and I will cause the kingdom of the house of Israel to cease.
1: And it will be in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Then she
0: conceived again and gave birth to a daughter. And And Yahweh said to him, And name her Lo-Ruhamah. I will no longer have compassion on the house of Israel. That I would ever forgive them. But I will have compassion on the house of Judah. And save them by Yahweh their God. And I will not save them by bow, sword, battle, horses, or horsemen. Then she weaned Lo-Ruhamah. And she conceived and gave birth to a
1: son. Yahweh said, name him Loami. For you are not my people, and I am not your God. And so Father, tonight as we
0: approach this magnificent book, truly it, it this this small book in the Bible is just so full of truth. And we 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 read this first nine verses and and we come to this point where everything's in despair lord have you given up on your people have you have you run away from those that you've made these promises to in in the past and and the amazing thing is your faithfulness is going to be faithful when they're faithless just like with us when we are faithless you are always always faithful to us so, Lord, as we read through these um, short chapters, I ask that you would just speak to us clearly with your divine love, your divine romance. Not reaching out to people that are handsome or or gorgeous or or somehow attractive, but you reach
1: out to the worthless. You reach out to the used up. You reached out to those that um, are in need of you.
0: Those that have um, given away their hearts to so many other things, and yet you still are patiently waiting for them to come to you. So, Lord, we thank you so much for that. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. And thank you so much for being here with us tonight. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen this is one of those uh books in the bible that um it, it's not a sunday school story it, it's very adult oriented it, it is one of those books in the bible that um you come to and and you read and and god is not mincing words God is very point-blank in his descriptions of what it is like to sin every single time that we sin. God sees it as literal harlotry or adultery. He sees it as if we are acting like prostitutes. In fact, this is how he compares Judah and Israel. And at this time, there's a division in the kingdom after King David after king solomon uh, died there was a division within the tribes of israel we are living now in this time of hosea during the uh good kings in the south and the bad king in the north and the bad king in the north the guy by the name of jeroboam he's going to be the last of the kings of the northern kingdom of israel and in 722 bc assyria is going to come in and literally destroy the northern kingdom the the ten tribes in the north will be scattered throughout the assyrian empire and they will come back as half-breed they will come back as uh samaritan they they will come back as as people that have had to intermarry with other uh, nations during this time there's this division within the 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 northern and the southern kingdom, we're going to see in the first five minor prophets that we're going to have kings in the north and kings in the south. In fact, Hosea is specifically addressing the northern kingdom of Israel. There's going to be some for Judah, yes, but most of his addresses are going to be to the northern kingdom of Israel. And the northern kingdom of Israel didn't have their capital in Jerusalem like Judea did. Their their capital was in Samaria. In fact, they had multiple places where they would worship uh, the gods that they would worship, and and it was kind of a mixture of you know Judaism and and various other Canaanite religions. In fact, they had multiple golden calves. You guys remember the golden calf that Aaron made. That they had multiple golden calves throughout uh, the Israelite territory in the north. They had one up in Dan and they had uh, one down in Beth El. So, you know, it was easy for them to go to and worship these golden calves. This was the same nation that Elijah uh, was the one that ministered to. Remember on Carmel where he called down fire? This was the northern kingdom of Israel, the ten tribes in uh, the north. So Hosea, he actually has to live out what it is like to be married to someone that is unfaithful. Because God is trying to get across the point that Israel has been unfaithful to God. Now, unlike the other prophets that we've been talking about, we've already finished Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They they had to eat, you know, bread roasted over dung. That's what they got to do, right? Or, Or to be put down in a prison in a pit, right? But can you imagine the very first time that God speaks to you,
1: what does he tell Hosea to do? Marry an unfaithful woman. That that's exactly what he's telling her. In fact, that's
0: what it says in verse 2, the very first time he spoke to
1: Hosea. Wow. I mean, can you, can you imagine, you know, just the, first of all, the trust uh, that Hosea
0: has, but then, you know, understanding what, how that's going to change his life. You guys know what happens if there's unfaithfulness in a marriage, especially within a church. But can you imagine in the pastor's life? Well, what does that do not only to the church, but to the gossip in the community?
1: Did you hear that? Did you hear that? Did you hear
0: that? This, this is a prophet of God being told by God, to marry someone that he knows is going to be
1: unfaithful. And he has to do it the very first time. Now, the reason why is
0: Hosea has to show the faithfulness of God as God showing faithfulness to the people of Israel, and his wife Gomer is acting like Israel in their unfaithfulness. And the common theme that we're going to see here is that sin isn't just something that you know is a a, a taint or 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 a black dot or or somehow that you're you know just might bad or oops or whatever it is. No, sin represents unfaithfulness to the very point that whenever I sin, I'm choosing to be unfaithful to God. I'm choosing something else over my relationship with God. That's how sin is being portrayed in the book of Hosea. You're acting like a prostitute every single time you choose something else
1: over God. Do you understand that? that this is the, the depravity of what sin uh, looks like
0: even so much to say that his three children are named after horrific things that are going to happen to Israel. I don't know what you did when you had kids or, you know, if you've ever thought of having kids or planned to have kids and, and, and you pick names, right? Normally, what kind of names do we pick? Yeah, ho- hopefully something that, you know, makes their life better, right? You know, you choose a name about strength or courage or beauty or, or handsomeness or something like that. Can you imagine these names? By, by the way, every single one of these names are going to be used multiple times throughout the book of Hosea, not just in the first three chapters, but throughout to represent the downfall of Israel. To, to represent what it means for the falling away of Israel. Look at the first name there. Is the first son's name is Jezreel, and we're going to see this uh, quite a few times. Not not just even in the book of Hosea, but throughout the rest of the the minor prophets as well. Uh, Jezreel literally means God sows. God sows and, and this valley that's going to be named Jezreel. In the future, it's going to be named Armageddon. Can you imagine that? Now, this valley that's represented here is going to be the place where the Assyrians come in and cause great bloodshed amongst the Israelites. In fact, that's exactly what it says there in verse 4. Yahweh said to him, name him Jezreel, for yet a little while I will visit the bloodshed of Jezreel upon the house of Yehu, and I will cause the kingdom of Israel to cease. The Assyrians are already being prepared to come in and destroy the nation, the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, normally when we talk of Israel, we talk of the whole kingdom, right? But remember, at this time, there's a divided kingdom from the time of King Solomon until the time they come back after the time that we just read in Daniel, when they come back in Ezra and Nehemiah. They're two totally separate nations, Northern Kingdom of Israel, Southern Kingdom of Judah. Okay, so it's very important to understand that. The second uh, child that is born is a daughter. And what is her name? Lo Ruhama. Now in the Hebrew, Lo is a negative term. Okay. Lo in the beginning of any any word in the Hebrew is actually a negative term. So you whenever you add it to a word, it turns the word uh negative, kind of like our N-O or N-O-N or something like that at the beginning of our uh words. So, what does lo Ruhama mean? lo means no compassion. God is not going to have compassion upon the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel. And then the third son or the third child, a son, is going to be named, and this is the hardest, this is the the most tragic, which literally means uh, not my people or no
1: people. the 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 picture here that we see is a rejection The, the picture we
0: see here is that they have sown the seeds of sin and what is god doing to the nation of israel he's disciplining them now if we were to stop at verse nine it would be super tragic it would be so against the nature of god but thank God there's the rest of the book of Hosea because as we approach this amazing book these first 9 verses they are extremely personal. In fact, this is the only prophet in the entire Bible where not only do we get to know the name of his wife but also the name of his children as well. This is extremely personal for a prophet to be able to describe his family life and it is far from perfect in fact for many churches they would have rejected him as being a pastor or you know a prophet or someone that's worthy of being a minister again can you imagine what god is calling hosea to do your life, your family life is gonna represent me in my faith. Because you have to be faithful to someone whom you know is not gonna be faithful
1: to you. Last two verses there of the uh, of chapter um or,
0: or well, let me let me read one other verse here Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine. You shall know, therefore, that Yahweh your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindnesses to a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the verse that we love, right? Those are the verses that we, we write on our, our you know, uh, mirrors, that we, we put up on our refrigerators. Those are the verses that we, we, we memorize. And, and then we come to this chapter here and we read the last two verses of this chapter listen to what it says in verses 10 and 11 of Hosea chapter 1. Yet the number of the sons of Israel will be like the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it will be in that place where it is said to them, you are not my people. It will be said uh, to them, and I love this, you are the sons of the living God and the sons of Judah and the sons of Israel will be gathered together, and they will set for themselves one head, and they will go up from the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. How is God going to turn this around? How is God going to somehow turn this tragic family, this tragic nation, this nation that has wandered from God, and how is he going to bring them back? This is the miracle of
1: Hosea. I, I don't know what your family life is like. I, I don't know if, um,
0: you know, you have a perfect marriage or your parents had a perfect marriage or if you came from a divorced home or a broken home or, or you yourself are divorced or or in the midst of a divorce or in the midst of some sort of a of, of fight with your spouse. But what I do know is that God is always faithful, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. And he calls us, if we are Christians, to be faithful people. In fact, the definition of faithfulness is adhering firmly and devotedly to a person, a cause, or an event. We love to make promises, right? But most of our promises that we make are very circumstantial. They have the the buts at the end that we never actually say. You know, or, or we have the escape clauses, right? You know, and, and, and especially in, you know, whether it's a marriage or a relationship or a friendship or, or some sort of, a, a, you know, um, a, an arrangement, whatever it may be. There's always excuses that we make on our part, especially, to say, well, I, I don't have to do that because they did this. We always blame it on the other person, right? And throughout the Bible, God has always forbid divorce, and especially in Hosea, divorce is not going to be an option in fact he's not going to allow hosea to divorce his wife despite the fact that what we're going to see in verse 2 is a, or chapter 2 is absolutely horrific this lady is going to be known throughout the town as the you know the one that everybody sleeps with she's going to be the the town whore the town prostitute She's going to be the one that's used up literally by every single man in the town. It is horrific. And it's easy to look at that person and say, well, you know, he has every right to leave her. But when we look at ourselves
1: and our unfaithfulness to God, does God have every right to leave us? Does he? does he ever leave us no in fact i love the book of malachi verse
0: chapter 2 verse 14 but you say for what reason because yahweh has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously though she is your companion and your wife by covenant see god made a covenant right with the people of israel and yes, he's going to discipline them. Yes, he is going to say these harsh things about them. But in order to bring
1: them back, the same thing in any relationship, are we supposed to be the examples of faithfulness? Even in the hardest of times,
0: we as Christians are called to be like Christ, right? And if Christ loved the church, would Christ ever leave the church? If Christ is going to be married to the church. Is he ever going to leave the church? No. Chapter two begins like this. And again, this is extremely personal. This is, I mean, you know, just imagine, um, and we're reading this in one night, but can you imagine just your whole marriage is, is like this, you know, in terms of the depths of despair that Hosea feels? And and so remember, Jezreel, God sows, uh Lo Ruhama, and no compassion. Lo Ami means, you know, not my people or or no people. We're gonna see those names over and over again. Say to your brothers, Ami, and to your sisters, uh, Ruama, uh, contend with your mother, contend. For she is not my wife, and I am not her husband. And let her remove her harlotry from her face, from her, and her adultery from between her breasts. Lest I strip her naked, and set her forth, as on the day when she was born. And make her like a wilderness, and make her like dry land, and put her to death with thirst. Also I will have no compassion
1: on her children, because they are children of harlotry what is that saying about his three kids he he, he doesn't even know if he's the father it's that bad Hmm? just that whole understanding is what is he saying they're children of harlotry
0: I, i don't even know if these are my kids In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24, it says this, He who holds back his rod hates his son, and he who loves him disciplines him uh, diligently. Not only is faithfulness adhering firmly to another person, but faithfulness in the midst of sin always produces discipline. If you are faithful, you will not leave that person in that same situation. You won't leave them in the mire and the mud and the sin. You'll want to win them back. That's what a faithful person does. A faithful friend, a faithful spouse, a faithful person in any relationship, they're willing to bring back that person sometimes by whatever means and in fact this is what Hosea is going to have to do with his wife it, it, this is uh, one of the, the the hardest things in terms of you know truly applying this because you know I you know thank God I, I've been married for you know 24 years 24 years now in in November and it's one of those things where you really have to put yourself into this situation if you've never been in this situation before. But, but if you have been in this situation of unfaithfulness, understanding this, you get a glimpse of the faithful heart of God. And if you've been on the other side of the faithfulness, you were the one that was unfaithful,
1: you also get a glimpse into what it is like to be wooed back. Because God's going to be the one that's
0: wooing them back, romancing them back, wanting them to come back. In fact, this chapter in the Bible is more romantic than Song of Solomon. This chapter in the Bible is more romantic than any other chapter in the entire bible because this is someone who is not a beautiful virgin or this is not some this is someone who 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 is not you know some some you know uh uh romantic
1: gesture this is someone who is used up who's been thrown away who's been rejected who's the outcast of
0: the community because, you know, she's the one that slept with everyone, the prostitute.
1: And, And then to woo that person back. Wow. It's absolutely beautiful. Even in the midst
0: of Gomer's unfaithfulness, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness, even in the midst of Israel's unfaithfulness, God still provided for her. Verse 5, for their mother has played the harlot. She who conceived them has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go over after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil and my drink. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up her way with thorns. I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. So she will pursue her lovers, but she will not overtake them. And she will seek them, but will not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. This is very similar to what we call the the prodigal son, right? Remember what happened to the prodigal son. Son, after he had squandered his entire inheritance, where did he find himself? A pig trough, right? Longing for the the you know the the corn husks. That's what he was wanting to eat. E- eating with unclean animals. And 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 in his mind, he says this exact same phrase, by the way, except for he changed the name husband and the father.
1: It was better where, at my father's house. He remembered that. E- even even our. Our servants had it better than I have it now. And he
0: remembered that, and he said, I'll, I'll just go to my dad, and I'll ask him if I can be a
1: servant. Right? What, what What? did the dad do, by the way? He was waiting there. Hugged him. Didn't even let him get the words out of his mouth.
0: So my, my son that was once Dead is now a lie, right? Listen to this in the book of Hosea. In, in, in verse 8. Now, she does not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the new wine, and the oil. Who was supporting her even when she
1: was going after her lovers? Wow. I mean, I, that's totally unfathomable to me. Why, why would someone love someone that much?
0: And, and then when you understand it from God's perspective, does God still love you? And is, does he still give to you? And does he still even bless you even in the midst of our sin and unfaithfulness? In fact, every single time that we sin, every single time we turn our back on God, every single time uh, we are unfaithful to God, what should happen
1: to us? Die. We should be punished right there, right? But does God still give us mercy and grace? Whether we deserve it or not. And you see it now from the perspective of an
0: unfaithful wife, an unfaithful spouse. In fact, what does he say? And multiplied silver and gold for her, which they used for Baal. I gave her her food. I gave her a drink. I gave her money, even though she, sh- she thought it came from her lovers, and she used it in her idolatrous practices oblivious to the fact that it was Hosea
1: that was supporting her the whole time. Wow. Verse 9, Therefore I will take back my grain
0: at harvest time my new wine and in its season. I will also deliver my wool and my flax from them, given to cover her nakedness. So now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one will deliver her out of uh, my hand. What's the difference between someone who is, you know, just a, you know, looking for a prostitute or, you know, someone who is being unfaithful, you know, the the people of the street, you might say, or, or, or a brothel, whatever it may be. And, and what is the difference between that and a loving marriage relationship? One is a transaction that takes place one time, and the other is something that is given in terms of selflessness. One is selfish, and the other is looking after another person. One is using another person, and the other is actually helping someone to become better
1: one is temporary and the one is the other one's supposed to be permanent. In fact, look at what it says
0: there in verse eleven. I will also cease all her joy, her feasts, her new wines, her sabbaths, and all her appointed times. I will make her desolate or make desolate her vines, her fig trees, of which she said These are my wages which my lovers have given me, and I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field will devour them. So I will visit the days of Baals upon her when she used to offer offerings and smoke to them, and adorn herself with her earrings and her jewelry, and go after her lovers so that she forgot me, declares Yahweh, oh, the outside looked wonderful, all the jewels and all the, you know, the various, you know, beauty on the outside, but what
1: does it look like on the inside? Death and destruction. I don't want to be too graphic, but she's the,
0: you know, the the toothless used up old whore that
1: everyone else in town has already slept with. Now this is the picture, okay? Excuse me, this is the picture now when we get to verse 14. This is an unfaithful wife,
0: that this is not someone that, you know, you you met on a, you know, that is somehow, you know, beautiful and, excuse me, that, it, that is, um you know, a, a virgin that, that is, you know, going to be in a white dress at your wedding or something like that. No, this is a person that is used up. This is a person that has slept with every single guy in town. And now you read verse 14.
1: Therefore, behold, I will allure her. And bring her into the wilderness. And speak to her heart. This is one of the most romantic poems that you could ever read. This is one of those pictures
0: that we see here. Uh, of not only Hosea but God going out of his way for a worthless, depraved, unlovely, ugly person and wooing
1: them back. And this is what God does for us. This this is what God does for those that are
0: his people. Because the, the picture here is of us that have gone astray, of of us that were once enemies of God. These are the ones that God goes after. This is the privilege when we read this,
1: that this is God speaking to me, to you. Before you even knew God, God already knew you and was wooing you back.
0: I've had the privilege of being able to talk to people and whether I had the privilege of leading them to the Lord or or learning about their testimony or how they came, it's amazing how far, if you look back on your life, how far God was working to bring you to him. And you didn't even know it. You were oblivious to it until you came to that point and actually Physically looked back at your life and remembered those things. Maybe it was a grandma, or maybe it was a neighbor, or maybe it was a friend, or someone that you knew that was was planting those seeds or or telling you that they were praying for you, or whatever it was. And you didn't even realize it until you came to that point. The faithfulness of God when we are unfaithful is truly unfathomable. In fact, look at what it says there in verse 15. And again, this is this love poem, this seven-verse love poem. I love this. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Acor as a door of hope. Uh, Achor just means uh, a sadness or depravity or or this this feeling of, of literally a hopelessness. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came back from the land of Egypt. And it will be in that day, declares Yahweh, that you will call me Ishi and no longer call me uh, Baali. Baali means my master. That's exactly what would happen. Every single time they would bow down to the Baals, they were calling them my master. And the word Ishi means my husband. It's a term of endearment. It's in term of intimacy. It's a term of, of knowing someone very, very closely as in a marriage relationship, my husband. No longer that relationship of servitude to something. Because anything outside of our relationship with God, you are literally calling
1: them your master. That's what sin does. It enslaves. What does God do? He frees. He sets free. You will no longer call me, or you will call me Ishi, and no longer call me
0: Baali, so I will remove the names, the Baals from your mouth, so that you will be remembered by their names no more. I'm going to remove all that sin from your life, so much so that you're not even going to remember it
1: anymore. By the way, Gomer had sinned a lot. Gomer was known for her sin. And it's easy to point our fingers at Gomer or Israel. But the same is true for us as well.
0: Can you imagine, you know, and and, and this is true for even, even today, but when you're in heaven, not even remembering
1: the sins that you committed that broke God's heart. Because he's going to take it all away even the remembrances of it no more shame verse 18 and
0: in that day i'll cut a covenant for them with the beasts of the field the birds of the sky the creeping things of the ground i will break the bow the sword and war from the land and i will make them lie down in security and i will betroth you to me forever not not only is this marriage going to be healed but even nature itself is going to benefit from this by the way do you guys know what betrothal means i mean no, i know this is an old term uh, this is one of those you know terms that you know maybe you know the the you know more romantic uh, or novels or something like that romantic movies or whatever older types of movies but but you understand what it means. It, it, it means that there's a promise before the promise.
1: It's like a, a, what we call an engagement, I guess you could say. And this betrothal that is taking place, this betrothal between
0: uh, Gomer and Hosea and God and Israel. all all at the same time taking place here. Hosea is showing it physically, and God is bringing it about in the nation of Israel. Look at what he says, and I will betroth you to me forever. Indeed, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in... uh, faithfulness. Wow. Despite the fact that they have been unfaithful, it is God who is coming to them and saying, I promise to be faithful to you. Whoa. It is God going and going the extra mile. It is God going and reaching out to them and
1: saying, I promise. I I, I betroth myself to you again. It should be the other way around, by the way right? That, that's what we do as humans. It's
0: their responsibility to come back to me, right? It was them that it's at fault. They're the ones that have to do it, right? I, I'm not going to forgive them unless they actually ask me to forgive them, you know, those kind of things, right? What if God ever said that? I mean, that's hilarious when you think of it from the perspective of
1: God. But we do it all the time to each other, unfortunately, as human beings. By the way, I'm speaking to myself too. This
0: is one of those passages that hopefully, and I challenge you this week: read these, just these seven verses, just fourteen to twenty, okay? Just just those seven verses. Read them every single day this week. Just just one little section. I mean, it really. And then then put yourself in the you know the picture of Gomer or the picture of Israel, and it is God that's reaching out to you. Even in the midst of our most horrific unfaithfulness to God, God is again coming to us, alluring us, wooing us. By the way, how did he do that? That's what we're going to have the privilege of celebrating in just a week and a half, right?
1: we call Resurrection Sunday. What did Jesus Christ do for us on the cross on that Friday? He died for our sin. He he, he paid the ultimate. We weren't the ones that had to pay for our sin. It was was God that paid for our sin. There on the cross for you and for me. It, It was God that reached out to us.
0: When, you know, if we had been in that situation, we said, you have to reach out to me or you have
1: to pay for your sin. No, it was God that did that for us to show his faithfulness to us. Verse 21, chapter 2 there, and it will be
0: in that day that I will answer, declares Yahweh. I will answer the heavens and they will answer the earth and the earth will answer the grain and the new wine and the oil and they will answer Jezreel. Remember that word means God sows. God is going to bring about a a newness to nature itself, a newness to the relationship, a newness to life itself. How does God do that? It's amazing. And if you've experienced this in your life, you know it personally, newness takes over, and it literally consumes anything that is old
1: and dead and dying. What do you put in your garden to fertilize it? Yeah, what is fertilizer made up of? Yeah, death, right? The waste. And what comes out of that? Newness of life.
0: It's amazing. The earth will answer the grain, the new wine, the oil. They will answer Jezreel, verse 23. And I will sow her for myself. By the way, that's the word, Jezreel, that's so for myself, or, or God sows. And I will also have, and I love this, Ruhamah, which is compassion, on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were lo-Ami, not my people, you are Ami. Wow, the all three of the names of his kids, the definitions are now being used in the redemption of the wife. The redemption of the family. Isn't that amazing? Uh, all these names that were meant for somehow destruction or death, they are now being used to bring about newness of life. This is what God does in his faithfulness. In fact, look at what it says. I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you
1: are my God. And that's us, by the way, because we were once not
0: a people of God. We were not Israelites. We were not Jews. We we are Gentiles. And who did Jesus die for? not just a single people group, not just single skin color or a single nation. Who did he die for? Us. And this is the privilege that we have. By the way, Romans chapter 9, verse 23 says this. And in order that he might make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared forehand for glory, even us, By the way, that's you and me. We're included in that us. Whom he also called not from among the Jews only, but also from among uh, Gentiles. And by the way, the very next verse, where does he quote it from? Where does he quote the very next verse from? As he says also in the
1: Hosea.
0: Wow. The Paul in the book of Romans is quoting from where? Wow. I mean that just totally I mean it sends shivers down my back. I mean it, it, just the way that the Bible brings all this out. You, you were a unfaithful people like an
1: unfaithful wife and God still reached out to you. Now that was that was 2,000 years way before this, okay? Verse 25, and he says also in Hosea,
0: and this is where he quotes these same verses that we just read. I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be in the place where it is said to them, you are not my people there. They shall be called, sons of the living just absolutely romantic i, I, I mean if you really understand this, this this is so amazingly overwhelming love of god being poured out on a people that don't desert and when we understand it from that perspective we, we really treasure what it means to be saved. By the way, do you know what the name Hosea means? It's the same definition as Jesus, by the way. Salvation. Hosea means salvation. Hosea is literally having to live out salvation to his unfaithful wife. That, that's what Hosea means. Same thing that Jesus means, and it means even greater in terms of to the world, right? Hosea was just to his wife, but
1: Jesus is to the entire world. Salvation. Hosea chapter 10, verse
0: 12. Just to give you a little bit of a preview of what we're going to be able to read uh, over the next uh, month or so. So with a view of righteousness, reap in accordance with loving kindness. Break up your fallow ground. Indeed, it is time to seek Yahweh until he comes and reigns righteousness on uh, you. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You know this one. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what, why you came tonight. I don't know why you're watching tonight. I, I, I don't know the reason why you're here. But I, I do know that it's because God brought you. I I I know that this is this wonderful um privilege that we have every single time we open up the scriptures and we read them, that it's God's living word speaking
1: to us. And maybe this is the first time you've read the book of Hosea. Thank God, you're here. It's one of those books
0: that, you know, unless you've had to check a market off or something like that through a you know, through the Bible or or whatever. You know, we, we very seldom read it or we very seldom, you know, preach
1: on it or whatever. This is the great thing why we're here on Wednesday nights. We just go straight through the Bible. Eventually we hit on everything, right? 2
0: Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We call that the great exchange. I give God my sin and what does God give me? Totally
1: unfair, by the way, on God's part. What does he give me? His son's righteousness. Wow. What I don't deserve, what we don't deserve.
0: It was Oscar Wilde who said, Those who are faithless know the pleasures of love. It is the faithful who know love's tragedies. If you've ever had your heart broken, you know that. Or Isaiah chapter 49 verse 15. Can a woman, can a woman forget her infant and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, but I will not forget you. And God, wow.
1: 2 Timothy chapter 2:13 it says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot
0: deny himself. The faithfulness of God is ingrained in his very definition of who he is. If God is no longer faithful, he's not God. And God can never be unfaithful. Thank God. Thank God. If you don't get anything else here tonight, God is faithful by his very being. It is who he is in the very definition of his name and his title, and who he is just being God. He
1: is faithful. He must be faithful. Just in his very
0: core of his being, just like holiness defines who he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who who was and who is and who is to come, said not only in in the book of Isaiah, but also in the book of Revelation. We see those multiple times uh, throughout the scriptures. His faithfulness is his core, just as holiness is who he is as well. It's very part of who God is. And if he is not faithful, he is not God. Do you understand that? It's the definition of who he is. Romans 5, 10, and we'll end it here tonight. For if when we were
1: enemy, and you can replace that word with unfaithful or faithless, when you were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. That's
0: when God saw us. When I was at my worst, God saw me and died for me. When I was at my worst, that's when God reached out to me. When we were his enemies, fighting against him, that's when God reached out to us, okay? Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his light. That's the power of the resurrection. That's the power of, of his victory over death. And sin over anything that is decay and unfaithful.
1: You see, faithfulness always trumps faithlessness. Faithfulness always trumps unfaithfulness. It's always greater. It's always stronger. It's the endurance of God's